David Clement is with us. Mr. Clement is the North American Affairs Manager with the Consumer Choice Center and wrote an article recently in the Financial Post that caught my attention. I wasn't expecting to see it. Don't ban flavored vapes is the title of the article. The subheader says banning flavors for adult smokers trying to quit tobacco is a huge mistake one that could have deadly consequences. The author of the piece, David Clement, is on the line from Ontario uh, joining us. Uh, David, welcome back to the program. Always good to speak to you. Good morning. Fred Lubeck. Uh, Good to have you with us, David. Talk to us a little bit about flavored vapes. First of all, how popular are these and who is the most common user? Are they actually used more by adults trying to quit smoking cigarettes or is it a a young person thing? Yeah, so uh, we know from consumer usage and and purchasing data that there are about 1.5 million Canadian adults who use vape products. And the vast majority of those folks are people trying to quit. Um, So they're smokers. They've maybe tried to quit in the past and it hasn't worked or they've tried other methods and it hasn't worked. And so now they're, they're trying to use vaping as a means to quit smoking. Um, In terms of the flavors that the government is looking to possibly ban, Mm -hmm. there are about 650,000 Canadians who use those flavors specifically. Um, And so that's a lot of people. That's, that's, um, that is uh, a considerable amount of people who will be impacted by a ban. And our concern here is that what happens when those folks don't have their, um, their harm reduction tool to try and quit smoking, they most likely go back to smoking. And we think Mm -hmm. that that's a huge public health failure. Uh, from our perspective. Okay, so, and it's important to understand that this ban, it's being proposed right now, and of course, there, there's a little matter of an election, I think, probably, David, mm-hmm. before anything gets really done on this file, but nonetheless, the feds have said they want to ban all vape flavors with the exception of tobacco, mint, and menthol. It's pretty safe mm-hmm. to assume there are probably dozens of other flavor options right now, right? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there are all sorts of flavors that exist, the, from fruit flavors to mm-hmm. um, everything, really. I mean, the the whole purpose or the whole point of why flavors exist is that we're trying to create an experience that is enjoyable for someone who then no longer wants to smoke to get nicotine. That's mm-hmm. kind of the point of why they exist. It, it's to say hey, why won't you, you, maybe you should try something that doesn't taste like a gross cigarette. Um, it, it has a, a different flavor to it. And that's how we see, um, that's why we see so many people use it to quit smoking. In fact, the best research from the U.S. where they analyzed about 17,000 uh, Americans showed that those who were using flavored vaping products were about 2.3 times more likely to quit than those who weren't using flavored vaping products. And so we can see in the data that it really is actually helping people quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And if that's a public health goal of ours, we have to keep, um, we have to leave these products um, on, the, on the market for adults. And we should probably focus more heavily on policies that stop youth, youth from accessing these, because that's obviously a serious problem Um, But I don't think we should limit the access of adult consumers 
uh, in the name of trying to fight youth access. Right. Well, it's also interesting, too, and you know, that you have all of these uh, data facts from the United States. This <laughs> this phenomenon, the whole vaping thing has now been around long enough, David, and is enjoyed by a wide enough group of people that there's a great deal of measurable data out there. And, and so, mm-hmm. uh, as you point out, uh, the flavored vapes uh, are successful in helping adults to quit smoking cigarettes. Does the data just extrapolate another step along the line of those people, David, who are uh, who have found a flavored vapes as a solution to quitting smoking? How long typically do they stay on the flavored vapes before they end up quitting that, too? Or do they ever get to that step? So that is a very good question. And it it, it does. It varies um, by person. So what usually happens is someone's been a lifelong smoker and they try vaping and they become what we call a dual user. So they're using both vapes and cigarettes. And then they slowly transition away from, uh, from smoking altogether and they're just vaping. Um, That is a huge win for public health uh, in terms of the dangers that um, come with each product. So um, when people end up in that category, they can often continue to wean off vaping um, and then go uh, completely nicotine-free, which is fantastic. Um, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, in terms of timeline, what I've seen is in the span of a couple months, uh, generally speaking. Okay. Um, anecdotally from my own life where I've seen people whom I know who have used vaping to quit smoking, um, they've generally been a few months and um, they've been able to completely transition away from cigarettes and then completely transition away from vaping um, a little further down the road. So it is working. A lot of Canadians are using it to try and quit. Um, It's 95% less damaging for you um, when we compare them to to cigarettes. And the the real kicker here is that there are other public health agencies around the world who've already figured this out, and they're actively promoting vaping to adult smokers. So the UK and Ireland and New Zealand have carried out a variety of different programs where they mm-hmm. actually go out and focus and target adult smokers and say, hey, maybe you should be vaping instead of smoking because it's exponentially less risky and you could improve your health and you may eventually be cigarette free. So, David, if that's the case, if we now know that other countries, Ireland and the UK, as you say, as examples this morning, if other countries have gone out and done the homework and found that vaping uh, products for adults trying to quit smoking are indeed uh, a, a benefit to those who are uh, using them to particularly wean themselves off uh, smoking cigarettes. Uh, if they have evidence that this works and this evidence is readily publicly available uh, and shared typically by governments, why is the government of Canada doing the opposite? It's unfortunate. It, it... It, re- it, very rep- it very much represents the conversation uh, had long ago about sex education. Um, it, the way in which public health, uh, or, or the way in which our public health officials approach this, is very often similar to the abstinence-only approach uh, in regards to sexual education. Um, we knew we knew then that those people were well-intended, um, but we also know that those. Uh, that that approach fails. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's important to teach 
people about the 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 the, the nuances of um, how 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 you stay safe in regards to sexual behavior. It's exactly the same, exactly the same when we talk about harm reduction. And so we have Health Canada in many instances living in kind of the early 90s um, and, and just thinking that, well, no, you can go cold turkey. You can just quit. Um, well, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way for so many people. And this is a very useful tool to get them to quit. So I'm hoping that that our public health officials can maybe get rid of some of this old and outdated view where it's like either one way or no way. Right, exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what we're hoping for in terms of how this, this shifts. Ultimately, harm reduction is something that the federal government has embraced yes. uh, for other other issues, and and we commend them for doing so because if we fo- if we're really focused on saving lives, that's a huge part of of doing so. But it does appear like they have this very large blind spot um, when it comes to harm reduction here for for vaping and flavored vape, uh, vape products. Is, is it partly, uh, does the vaping uh, production uh, have a, a lobby? Is this a, a direct result of the, the vaping lobby uh, convincing the government of Canada that uh, this is the route to take? Or uh, wh- where do you think that uh, clearly someone is steering them wrong, David? Yeah, I, so there are, there are some powerful groups who are in the public health space and they actively lobby pretty much for every restriction you can think of. Um, further restricting cannabis, further restricting alcohol, right. banning certain flavors of vapes. Um, the, the, the public health lobby in Canada is quite strong. And as, they, as, as time goes on, they start to creep into other areas. I mean, one hilarious one is that, that's about to come up is... Um, putting warning labels on sports drinks like Gatorade and Powerade, which mm-hmm. is cur- currently being proposed uh, and, I would argue, completely unnecessary. David Clement is back with us. Mr. Clement is the North American Affairs Manager with the Consumer Choice Center, uh, who wrote an article recently in the Financial Post entitled, Don't Ban Flavored Vapes. Banning flavors for adult smokers trying to quit tobacco is a huge mistake, one that could have deadly consequences. And David has been in the process this morning of talking about, uh, first of all, what goes on in other jurisdictions and talking about vaping as an effective tool for those who would quit smoking tobacco. And David, uh, I'm going to invite our our producer, our technical producer, Phil Figueroa, to join the conversation right now with you and me, please, because Phil is a good example. Young guy early 30s, um, started smoking in his late teens uh, and decided Mm -hmm. that's not a very good idea in his mid-20s. And Phil, take it from there because you actually were one of those people who who went from cigarettes to flavored vapes to nothing over a course of how long a time? A a year or two or several months? How long a period was the the, uh, elimination of of the smoking from your life, period? I don't even think it was a year. I I was probably at it for maybe six months. I want to obviously quit smoking, better my health. Uh, I was an athlete, all that good stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I started off with uh, 16 milligrams of nicotine, did a couple bottles of that, cut that in half down to 8 milligrams, cut that in half to 4, and then went all the way down to zero. And then one day my vape just, I don't know, it just 
decided to not work anymore. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to go buy a new one. I think I'm good. And the rest is history. I just quit wow. smoking. So I, I I did say to Sterling, I, I did go, you know, on and off a couple years later. You know, you're drinking at a party or whatever. Someone has a cigar or cigarette. You take well, a couple yeah, puffs. But-, but as far as smoking full time, yeah, never again. Interesting. And Beautiful. David, that's precisely the point, isn't it? That's exactly the way the, the, the flavored vapes process is supposed to begin. You, you start with nicotine included, and then you reduce the amount of nicotine in the mix to down as Phil did down to zero. And it's a, it's a, it's a process that any grown up can follow and, and it works. And yet yeah. the government of Canada is determined to ban flavored vapes. Uh, again, this is a this is and we're going to talk about uh, ads on junk food here in a second. But what, again, is the main reason uh, the government of Canada is giving us for doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first off, it's important to hear stories like we just heard, because there are so many of them. And it very quickly informs all of us that there are a lot of people who use these for very good reasons, mm-hmm. um, primarily to try and get away from smoking cigarettes. So, the, But the main reason why the government wants to go this route is they want to limit access to youth. So that is a problem. Um, there are instances where youth are getting their hands on, uh, on vaping products, and the government's mindset is that, well, the flavors of those vapes will make – are uh, what are making it that's more the attraction for, yeah right yeah for for, mm. for uh for youth to access it now the thing is is that they've gone basically from zero to 60 here in regards to a policy response without focusing on anything that has to do with youth, youth access they've just gone right to the end and said we're going to eliminate these products even though we know there are mil- or almost uh over half a million adult uh, consumers who use them, we're just going to eliminate them and that will solve the problem. Uh, But the the problem is, is that we also know that this hasn't worked elsewhere. I mean, most, most recently San Francisco uh, attempted to do exactly this. Um, They banned the sale of flavored products for the purpose of trying to decrease um, youth access. And yeah. And, and unfortunately what they saw is they saw a, a huge uptick in youth smoking, uh, which is about as terrible of a policy uh, you could have. And mm. then we'll, what we also have um, in regards to more evidence that, that the consequence of this is that it drives people back to smoking is that the government's own submission. Um, so when they have to put forward a proposal, they have to do an impact analysis that says, how, how is this going to impact uh, the industry, so the retailers, the people who sell vaping products. Sure, yeah. And um, the government's own report says that they, vapers, would choose to purchase more cigarettes, which will offset the loss that retailers uh, experience because they're no longer selling these vape products. And so the government's own admission here is that they know it will drive people back to smoking. Right. Um, and so I would argue that. You can have we we can seriously focus on the issue of youth access, but we shouldn't do so in a way that we know is going to drive people back to smoking and going to eliminate a very useful tool for them to quit. 
All right. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. So, uh, again, you're the you're the guy with uh, some time and, and the uh, who writes the articles in the paper. How do we do that? How, do, how does the government of Canada walk and chew gum at the same time, David Clement? Because you're right. We need to restrict ask access of these products to minors. There's no question. It's it's harmful, to say the very least, to kids. And yet at the same mm-hmm. time, it's an enormous benefit to grownups. So how do you do that? Yeah. How do you? How do how do we do that? That's a very good question. So there are all sorts of ways we could do this. I mean, we could focus on um, penalties and losing the ability to sell age restricted goods um, uh-huh. at all. So an example would be if you're uh, if I use a convenience store for example, um, so you get caught selling to someone uh, under the age, um, you lose your license to sell all age restricted goods. Um, that would be a possible solution that puts a lot of skin in the game for the owners of these retail businesses, because it's not worth losing your, your sales revenue for other tobacco products, for, uh, for gaming, uh, lottery tickets and things Mm -hmm, like that. So we can, we can try and solve this without banning products. Um, and there are some ways in which we can do it that look at how we're penalizing those who get caught, what the consequences of that are, and just in the consequences really incentivize good behavior. Uh, that's the that's the end goal. Right, and of course that now that's the adult and the retail end of things. The messaging to the uh, to young people, of course, has to be very very different uh, because, uh, as you said earlier, you know if you if you make it more difficult to purchase. You you intensify its attraction. It had it's a it's a strange, but it's weird and it's true. So how then mm-hmm. do you do you get the message through to young people that you know, this is being uh, removed from the marketplace because it's harmful for you? Don't go for it. Yeah. So I think the I think the best way is just to explain the have an honest conversation in terms of how we educate the youth in this country on what nicotine addiction looks like. It's not, it's not particularly fun. Um, mm-hmm. and, and highlighting that, um, yes, vaping is not smoking and it's better than, um, than smoking, but at the same time, picking up a nicotine addiction without having any other exposure to it is also not a very good idea. Um, and so there's some education to be had in terms of or educate some education to be, um, to be dispersed and some wisdom to be to be dispersed in regards sure. to the reality of that. Um, and so it's very possible for our government to say, hey, if you're an adult smoker trying to quit, this is a very useful tool for you. Indeed. While also saying, hey, if you're under the age of, of purchase and you've never smoked before, don't touch this stuff. It's not for you. Right. Well, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly. I know it's it's easier said than done, but it's also doable, don't you think, David? Yes. I'm I'm fresh out of time. I'm grateful for yours this morning. We don't we didn't have a chance to talk to you about your junk food ad ban, which is something else that you've written about recently. So uh, let's just say right here, right now, in front of a lot of witnesses, we're going to have to get you back soon to talk about this, because this is this is also, I would think, quite unwelcome with evidence from around the world suggesting it could be another dumb move by the government of Canada. Thanks for this this morning. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Sterling. Appreciate it. 
Ah, pleasure. David Clement with us. Mr. Clement is the North American Affairs Manager with the Consumer Choice Center. And you can find more of what he's written at their website, consumerchoicecenter.org.